Hey guys, Riley here. Actually on the road this week, uh, producing a band out of town, so that's kind of fun. And if you're thinking, where are the rich dulcet tones of Riley that normally greet me at the opening of every podcast? I'm not using my regular condenser microphone, I'm using a Beta 58. But, I mean, if it's good enough for uh, the sentient rat's nest that is Steven Tyler, or or Bono Vox of U2, and Vox is his last name, then I think it's good enough for this podcast. Anyways, episode 15, gotta be a little quiet because the band's still sleeping. Uh, We are with Future States, and we're talking about their EP, Cassiopeia, which, if you listen carefully to the podcast, I mispronounce about four times. Also, I called the sort of single off their album, Mama Bear, Mother Bear, a whole bunch of times. So... Uh, it's just one of those things, no matter how prepared you get and no matter how much due diligence you do before an interview, if you have three beers, it just all goes out the window. But, uh, these guys were a lot of fun. Their music is, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's like a, it's like a little bit of a, well, we get into it, but, uh, there's some elements of math rock and, and, uh, all sorts of good stuff. And, um, I gotta say they did to the... They did one of the most ambitious uh, songs ever done in the studio apartment that I live in because uh, they had an old uh, drum machine, uh, a lot like Fire Antlers did, uh, and but they adjusted the the tempo knob midway through because the song speeds up and then slows down again. But like, it's not a very precise thing because it was made in the seventies and back then everybody was loose with their keys and their tempos, um, and so it. It gets a little out of hand and you can hear after they nail the take a i think you can hear me and adam laughing in the background because we just we we didn't think they're going to make it but uh it's one of those things e- that people have like talent where they're able to do things and replicate it successfully uh many times and i don't have that as you can tell from how long and rambling this intro is anyways future states episode 15. um i would say before you listen to this, and we'll throw up a link in the Facebook, go listen to Mama Bear because we talk about it uh, more than any other song, I believe. And it is a good one. All right. Uh, boo! You are going to You are going to Because you just a bluff Done something else Oh, please believe it You'll have it all But in the makeup run Ruby is to friends Oh, 
All right, uh, so let's talk about uh, Cassiopeia. Right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, <laughs> the, big, the big W in the sky. <laughs> we can just call it the second like album or second EP. Uh, because it's it, it's interesting because uh, it almost seems like uh, you guys did sort of, uh, I don't even want to say, like it's, it's like... Um, a Mac DeMarco outside with like a chewy math rock center. Oh, sweet. Uh, because your <laughs> I love that. It, your first song is sort of Mac DeMarco-y. The fifth song is sort of um, it's it's just a dude feeling glum. Uh, but then the, the middle three are okay. <laughs> uh, are sort of like it, they're really except for. God, you guys have like a minute intro onto the second song. And yeah, I want to talk to you luck. about that yeah. because I did not like that at all. It's your single from the album. And you've got a minute of it. It's just like anybody can play this guitar. Like, and then you just launch into like these crazy. It's it's almost like uh, the best parts of Yes, where all the instruments are working together. But you don't get that from the first minute of that song <laughs> at all. Um, so let's talk about how did you guys start writing this? Like it's a it just seems complex. Let's yeah. let's depack it. All right, yeah, sure. Which is the fifth song? Again? Mimes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah that is that is a glum song. Um, yeah, I think the second EP is kind of us getting more into a collaboration, like a more collaborative songwriting process. Though I think all these songs were ideas I had that that I brought in, but just the like process of arranging them was a full band process. Um, so yeah, like like something like uh, like good luck um, was just like one practice. We were like usually during uh, breaks or something, we'll just like start playing a riff, and then we're all still at our instruments, so like someone will like start playing along kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that I mean that intro. Well, that <laughs> I, intro is completely on the fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that whole song was completely on the fly. It was just like. Uh, we were kind of messing with uh, approaches to recording and that song in particular, we just said like, let's do it like a couple times and then like just try to get like this really raw sounding or like live off the floor sounding song. Um, I think yeah. it was sort of like that song we were, we try, we were recording at a, a cottage and kind of just isolated everything, but we had been trying to different versions of it all day long. Mm -hmm. and nothing we'd play it like every everything was live off the floor we'd play it listen back and nothing was feeling really great about it and i think we might have listened to what was that oh yeah band like yam and takasonic titans is that their <laughs> name? them and another band that was playing crazy like oh yeah this is dan bringing in odd influences where yeah when when we were like just getting everything down he would start playing music to like kind of like as reference and it's either yeah it's either reggae or like the like most extreme like like just like over the top uh like screaming guitar music and so yeah i think we were listening to that at the time and then like we're kind of like talking about what was so good about that recording and it was just like um just how much energy there was, you know, which is a hard thing to capture, I think. And not necessarily like most of our songs aren't like huge energy songs. They're more like kind of like softer, like, um, like super arranged songs. Whereas good luck in particular was just like, a lot of the little, little things in good luck that like are probably the weird things you're talking about where the music, the instruments are all doing kind of odd things, but that work came, um, like on that, like on or just before that final take, like the the like the um, the two pan guitars that are are hitting kind of back and forth came like right before that. It was like maybe we should try this. We did that or the the kind of like switches in drum beats. Like right after the first course, there's like kind of a drum beat. Um, it like slows down a lot and then it comes back in to like pretty straight time. Um, which like changes the feel a lot and like kind of changes how you like move to it or whatever. Those came very like it was a neat process because it was working on it all day. And then finally, like, let's try this one take with as much energy as we can. Cause we were like, Dan was like, listen to these songs. We need to capture this kind of feeling. <laughs> yeah. And we played it and it was kind of like, I remember right after the take, everyone was like, that was the one. 
And so it is like a very raw sounding take. Like it's not obviously not super cleaned up and everything's not perfectly in time on things. But I think we agreed to use that take because of that. Yeah. And so the intro, I think, was just like the start of that take. Oh, yeah. Um, that was like mostly just improv. Like a lot of the dynamics between the guitar and the drums were just like us looking at each other and just like getting a feel for when to drop out kind of thing. So that song's built a lot also on like this really syncopated bass yeah. on it. Yeah. So it's like, which is funny because we got, <laughs> we submitted oh, yeah. that as a fat, maybe we shouldn't say this. We submitted that as a factor song for like a grant. We probably shouldn't have submitted that song because it is so rough. Pretty raw. But we thought that was a good strategy of being like, let's re-record this and it'll be like an epic studio song. But they're just like, you know, this song needs work. And we're like, okay. (laughs) But one of the comments was like, needs more complex rhythmic elements. (laughs) Like for for us, we were like so proud of that song. There's like syncopation. (laughs) The drum feel changes a lot. There's like kind of that syncopation between the the guitars going back and forth at like an odd uh, angular thing. Um, And then they're like more rhythmic elements. And it was kind of like... All right. <laughs> yeah. They kind of grilled us on lyrics too. And I was like, I don't know. Like that song, I wanted to keep super, like they are very simple lyrics. Like the chorus is just repeating good luck. Um, but like intentionally so. But they didn't think that was nice. <laughs> oh, well. But we'd still love a factor grant in the future, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's not confuse anyone. <laughs> Uh, but it's one of the things that is sort of, it, it's very common in, I would say, again, the middle three songs are the ones that I'm going to, uh, Good Luck, uh, Mother Bear, and Baby Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because those ones, I feel like those are the three that are like wholly unique to you guys. They they just sound like I haven't heard anybody do that quite this way before and it's uh it's really interesting i just wanted to know how do you guys because you said you do it all sort of live off the floor as you're recording how does that come about because that's not a natural way for bands to play everybody wants to play all the time the drummer is the best guy the guitarist is the best guy yeah the second guitarist is the best guy the bassist well let's let's not talk about them but um (laughs) how does that how does that come about like that sort of um it's almost like a piecemeal uh texture to your work how does that yeah, I think, yeah, that might be, I don't know, that might come from, like, especially the drummer, like, Dan Daniel is a jazz drummer, and he's very good at, like, kind of knowing when to come in. And he's also the, uh, like, he mixes and engineers everything. And a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of what you hear is just his, like, approach to the mix. So, like, any, like, any, like, weird sound or any, like, any kind of, like, creativity in the mix yeah that, that all comes from daniel um like the amount of fuzz that comes in on mother bear yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just weird Those like, double drum things at the yeah. beginning the stutter that yeah stands. stutters and like over-processed reverbs or like just like weird sounding reverbs so like i don't know um yeah that's all dan doing his thing which is which is really awesome i think the difference between those songs are, is interesting that you note the like get some rest and trouble minds were like very old songs and i think those are things that songs that maybe we didn't put so much of the the future states touch on like those are songs like chuck brought in and we worked on but didn't so much go this is a free for all so they weren't necessarily written for the this album though they were written for past dates Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well yeah i mean this album is strange in that it wasn't ever really intended to be a like like we were intending to release these songs, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't so thought out or so like planned um, in that it was all part of this. Um, I guess it was uh, a contract that we had with uh, uh, like like a, a licensing deal um, with a magazine in Europe, and they like just randomly found us through someone who liked our music from Seattle and like had a connection because they used to play music or something. It was very random and it was like, uh, yeah, it just worked out such that like we needed to record some, some of our songs that we wanted to record anyways, but we were never really like intending to release it as an album or maybe we're going to wait a bit. But as we were doing it, I think it was Nick who said like, you know, let's like, let's just record vocals and let's like do this, you know, like we're all here and it feels good. So like, I think, yeah, I don't know if that comes off on the album, but it was more of like a, it just felt like a nice 
project like we had time and like so we yeah well, they were recorded as instrument like they were intended to just be instrumentals yeah to back um is like this this magazine that got a contract to produce these like um for canada what is it canada tourism mm-hmm. or it's the destination canada it's like the crown corporation um so they're like videos aimed at sort of um they sent these german youtubers to like <laughs> you know like um go whale watching or whatever and and then made videos of it and then these youtubers will put them on their channels in germany and they have like half a million followers or whatever. And then people will see them and be like, I want to go to Canada. Um, so I was essentially scoring for that. So to like do that work, we thought we'd just record sort of instrumental versions of these songs that we had been working on. So yeah, the intent wasn't to even put vocals on them. And then they came out sounding... Um, so how'd you re- put vocals good. on for these like tourism... No, they just use instrumental. Yeah, instrumental, and then you decided like write lyrics for them and make them. Well, we already had the lyrics. Like all the songs were there. It was just like they didn't need vocals, so we were just going to record the like music basically. Okay. But then we had a couple extra days, and we're like, okay, yeah, let's like, uh, let's now do vocals. You know. So yeah, I mean, it was fun. It felt it felt really fun, and like we were just at Dave, who plays bass, um, his parents' cottage, and yeah, it was just a nice little like kind of trip yeah recording project and like you can kind of hear like on some tracks like i think it's uh troubled minds um you hear kind of like screaming or like cooing or something hollering yeah and i remember being in like their boathouse or something like recording vocals and hearing that not knowing what it was (laughs) but it was just like the rest of the man swimming (laughs) and like (laughs) screaming for some reason and dan had recorded it going into the microphone yeah dan like brought a mic down i don't know how it happened but like you just put a mic up to the window of the cottage. He actually, oh, like, really? That was recorded. Nick, Nick and I were swimming, oh, and then all of a sudden, Dan was like on the shore, being like, "Guys, I know you were like screaming when you jumped in the water. I need you to do that again." Why were you screaming? <laughs> because we jumped in the water. It's like pretty. It's pretty cold. Like it was exciting. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah, really like. <laughs> um. So because everything's being recorded live from the floor, as you guys said, like these screams and lakeside swimming like chants all came in through the mics. Yeah, yeah, that that sort of stuff. I, I think everyone's it. like always got an ear out for like interesting yeah. um, samples or like kind of um, interesting sounds that can can augment the music or uh, add a different element to the music. Like especially uh, Troubled Minds is kind of like such a slow burner, um, like sort of pretty song that those things add a lot. Maybe sometimes those things are are very um, like uh, partly there for the band in that like there's a nostalgia listening back to it now now for us because it was like part of the experience. But like mm-hmm. maybe now people <laughs> know the story and, and will be um, interested by it. Um, I think too, like baby, baby, there's rain or something because it was just like actually storming outside. <laughs> yeah. Feels kind of like eye rolly the whole like cottage experience, but it was just like I don't know. It was nice. It was convenient, and yeah. And we, got, I mean, it was nice to 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 do some work, um, some paid work for a contract was was kind of fun to do. <laughs> like it was it was exciting to, um, you know, we play music and uh, like talk to family members or whatever. And they're like, oh, you guys want to play music, right? And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Or like, <laughs> how are you going to make that work? And so, like, it felt nice to, um, like, have someone invest in, in the work we were, we were, we were all already doing. Not in a sort of, like, oh, I want to make millions of dollars on it. But um, in the, like, it, like, felt good to be, like, I'm working this week. Um and like this is what I like my passion to do to like to have this I would love it to be my full-time job um to do things like that um and it's also that sort of thing you know yeah yeah. you talk about it as like how can we make this like have a side you know something where we score things or because also something that we, we we felt we did a good job at and now we're on German YouTube (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. We're trying to get there ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Although we weren't, cre- we, we learned a bunch of things about licensing in that we didn't ask. Um, 
Oh yeah, we weren't we didn't credited. Clarify to be credited on the videos themselves, and we had to pay them <laughs> oh, to really? be on it. And like, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get any money. Oh, damn it! The German strike again. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Well, this actually leads into another one of my questions. Um, How do you feel about Germany? <laughs> we like, them. which is is something I was trying to Speaking set up, but I didn't have minds. enough time. Uh, I didn't have enough time this morning. Is just, um, and maybe it, it comes across, it comes uh, part and parcel with that being sort of the the genius of this project is that uh, Mother Bear, you can sort of play that over top of the ending of any movie, and it works. Uh, like I was gonna have it set up so that you guys watch it at first. It was gonna be like a car commercial. And you're like, oh yeah, this is where we're gonna make so our money. I do want to buy like, a Lexus. Like then the end, at, <laughs> the end of like a episode of Girls, and be like, okay, that works. Nice. And then like Last Action Hero, and it's like, oh, it even works for action too. And then Schindler's List, and you'd be like, oh, this is inappropriate, but oh, it kind of works because it does. I listen to it watching all these different things. And it was just like it just is that sort of song that has that sort of. It, there's almost like a, an emotionality. That's not a word. Um, it is not. There's, a, there's an almost a emotional element to the way the song is progressing. Um, can we go a little bit more in depth about how Mother Bear came about? And I know you guys said that a lot of these things, it was almost like the second to last take where a lot of these elements sort of popped up. Like, what was the, how does that song start off? Um, yeah, I think, well, that song definitely didn't sound like no that's we go through a lot of different versions of these songs like originally it started off as a demo that was like uh yeah just a garage band demo and <laughs> you're like kind of constrained to the drum beats they have and they do not have a lot of drum or they all have like it's like house beats basically and so it was like this really heavy beat and i just kind of like tried to make that like intro groove with it and so that was floating around for a bit and then we were <clears throat> I, I think it like kind of came about we were between rehearsal spaces i just remember being at <clears throat> this one rehearsal space and like uh yeah just trying different things but we were like uh we kind of had all our older songs and we we're like writing new material and just like finding new sounds basically um yeah and and just trying different things like uh it's uh if i like i think that song too i recorded bass and so like uh it feels weird sometimes just bringing in like a bass part but like everyone's really good at just like adapting their their parts to it like dave who plays bass you know like he'll like put his own twist on everything so it's like it's really nice um yeah although i know the like the guitar key thing they're like yeah. Oh, yeah those things i remember we were playing it through and then nick and i kind of just got in sync doing those things yeah and i always laugh about that in that those parts for me is not something that in my aesthetic sensibility, like after that take of like, you know, playing it through once and being like, okay, let's play it through it again. My feel like I wasn't immediately like, that's the thing we're keeping those. I was like, Oh, that was kind of fun. Let's like do it again and try some other things. And Dan, he was like, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. And that, and that they ended up being the thing or like one of the th like important things that runs throughout the song. Yeah. Um, um, Actually, those lyrics I wrote with a friend, uh, Tamara Sandor, who's a Montreal musician. And that was really fun. That was like, uh, I think like they were mostly flushed out or I had an idea, but I just needed someone to like <laughs> support me through it or something. But like before, I think we had like a couple of days before a show and like we wanted to play new material and that was like the new song we were working on. So we're like, okay, let's get these lyrics down. So she like, uh, yeah, we just had like an evening of like writing these lyrics together, which was really fun. Yeah. Because they're not the, like, they're sort of, you sing them in such a sort of, like, nice, calming way. But when you listen to them, some of, some of the elements of it are just, uh, like, there's still, is there one part where you say there's still blood on the claws or something like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, um, I think that was, like, an older lyric or something I was thinking about, like, years ago. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Where, like, some of it, too, was pieced together from, like, books I was reading at the time or something. Like, just, like, trying to create, like, imagery that, like... I don't know if it all made sense to me even like at the time, just like it kind of like as you like reflect back on it or like listen to it again and like different things pop out in different ways, which I think I try to do in general with lyric writing, like not necessarily like some songs are very straightforward and I like that, but then other songs like don't really make sense or like they do make sense, but it's not like so clear what the message is, you know? 
Now, do you do lyrics before sitting down with the band, or is it? Not usually. I think maybe there was a few songs where, like, I uh, like reading something in a book or something, and like you're like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of a cool idea, or like, um, yeah. I think like in Good Luck, the opening line, <laughs> the opening line is like directly just ripped from a book, like. Uh, uh, <laughs> Ah, oh, fuck, I, I forget what it is. Here we are, sketches in preparation for various works of art. Like, just like, I just like that line, so I just like took it, you know? Like, I don't know. Just like, so they, they kind of like it. come from everywhere, so. Well, yeah. isn't like one of the, uh, we have some new material already recorded, but one of the songs is ripped from like, like a pulp sci- sci-fi <laughs> yeah, um, just gonna get novel, like a small, like kind of like oh, pulpy, yeah. like probably like 1970s sci-fi yeah. Um, what is it, it called? Oh, Hellflower. Is Hellflower. that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So mostly just like, yeah, from books or something. Cool. And um, how many takes does it take on general? Like how long are you guys practicing on these songs uh, for Cassiopeia? And did that uh, did that change in the recording than, uh, than the follow-up to it? Like are you guys still doing live off the floor a lot? Yeah. Um, I think our, yeah, we're still like getting into a good, swing of things like um our next album that's coming out uh called casual listener out tentatively tentatively um uh <laughs> yeah we like kind of learned from cassiopeia and like uh started doing more like we did like 10 takes in a row and then like just kind of getting in a groove of like because we want to capture that like live off the floor element like a lot of the bands we like you can kind of hear that it's like um, yeah, I mean, multi-tracking is fun and it's like very good for a lot of things, but I think the way we work best is just like, kind of- I think we mostly multi-tracked it though. Like we like, we did live off the floor to capture the, the like bed drums and bass mostly, and then multi-tracked everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Though I think a lot of it came from, anyways, this is a question for Daniel. <laughs> yeah we'll have him phone in after but the 10 takes off the floor thing was neat too because it was like we we recorded it in a church in timmins um over two weeks that one and did seven or so songs is this for the first album uh this is for the one that's not released yet oh, okay, okay that's tentatively august ish casual maybe listeners. casual listener um and it was sort of the like momentum of recording processes and was interesting for us i guess or like we're still you're always learning and changing your your approach in that like we went into that and recorded you know i think we recorded like three songs like pretty quickly and not even with that 10 take process it was pretty like multi-tracky um get it down and then kind of that took about most of a week and then we didn't take too much time off or anything but then we were trying to get just like single like you know um record the drums with like bass or you playing uh just like a ghost guitar with it and it the songs like weren't really coming out that well anymore and we were kind of losing momentum and then we decided to do the like okay let's set everything up and isolate everything and do like 10 in a row without stopping was mm-hmm. the process. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're going to play this song 10 times in a row without oh, stopping. Yeah. And we're going to listen back to all 10 takes and pick the best one for the bed, drums and bass. Yeah. And then we went multi-tracking over that, which was well, like, it was like a way to refresh our process and kind of get the momentum going again. Cause it was, we were kind of, you know, good momentum. So there's ups and then downs and, and, We also do a lot of improvising. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. honestly, all 10 takes sounded differently. Like it was, uh, I think that comes from like jazz or like some influences that like members of the band have where it's just like. That makes sense for sure. They try different things like every time. So, which is awesome. I think it's like part of our sound. Yeah. Well, it's definitely when you listen to it, there are, uh, there are always, there are always parts where it's just like, oh, you wouldn't think to have that in there. Um, is it was were any of these licks were any of the things that you guys were doing just born out of frustration just like we're doing this for the ninth goddamn time (laughs) maybe i'll just actually yeah probably (laughs) like trying to like go against the grain kind of thing like yeah just make a sound when you weren't making sounds before or something yeah i think so i think most of our songs go through like 
multiple iterations of arrangement. And even now, when we'll go to prep to play a show or whatever, sometimes songs will be um, like, we'll play it and it won't feel so good anymore because you've played it the same way a, a zillion times now. And so it's like, what can we do to rewrite this song? Yeah. Even talking to Claude yesterday, like they were just recording, you know, so like they're, they were in a weird space or like they were just saying how like after listening to these songs over and over again, like you kind of get like so removed from the song as like when you first listen to it that you like forget what it is like to hear it for the first time, which is like a weird feeling and it's hard to describe, but like that often results in us like just rearranging the song. And I think like, yeah, we do that a lot. Like, yeah, the way we play the song on the recording is so different than our live versions and stuff. I think especially on, uh, it's probably weird to talk about new material that people haven't heard, but like across the spectrum of these seven songs, there's like the spectrum of songs that are really improvisational, how they recorded um, in that parts were sort of written live off the floor or like um, it would be like, okay, you're going to record some guitar now. Let's take four or five run throughs and every time different things came out and then Dan works his, his magic and sorts through them all and, and takes what he thinks are the best sort of elements. But then there's also the other spectrum um, on like the complete other end of the spectrum on like really arranged and like dialed in parts, kind of like really tight pop songs on it. So I think we go back and forth, maybe in our, our older stuff, there was more of the improv and maybe we're, we're doing a little more of the, the like pop stuff but still like weird stuff going on in them and like mm -hmm. dan does bring a lot in the in the mixing mm -hmm. um which is nice it's always like really a nice surprise when like afterwards he goes home and does some mixes and then he sends a mix out and there's all these things that you're like where did that come from but it's yeah. like it's great it, yeah. like you're like pleasant surprises all the time all the times in the, in the the process yeah which are fantastic yeah i think we're trying to make like sounds or like trying to get weirder and weirder every time like not like weird for the sake of being weird but like yeah really experimenting with sounds but like we are kind of like a poppy rock band so it's like a strange you know like we're experimenting but like we always kind of pull it back a bit i think it's just like our influences and stuff but yeah i think there's definitely like everyone brings a little bit of a preference for one or the other and then when that gets pushed in together we get a little bit of like like i speaking for myself i personally when i listen to music i like little like minutiae of songs are my favorite like like headphone listening multiple times and being like oh i love like you know how the drum comes in on an off beat or like how there's a rhythmic change here or there um so i tend to like favor really tight pop songs where it's like but then other people they're they come from more of an improv background so like sometimes i think it's like a meet in the middle thing and, or like on one song it'll get pushed one way or, or another song the other way and then we get a sound that's unique to what we do i guess is it helpful to have someone like Dan be the arbiter being like, these are the, this is the way I mix it. Or is that something that you guys brush up against and say, no, you did that wrong. That's, that's not the way I had envisioned it. Um, I mean, never wrong, but like <laughs> we definitely do talk about it, which is nice. Like they're like, we have like little listening sessions and stuff. Like he'll bring in uh, like his interpretations and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's really nice. Like it's, it's a creative process. Like the mixing is creative and it's all in house, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's uh it's never um it's never a conflict. <laughs> it's, it's just like a it's a good process. I mean, not like just having five people in a group, you're not always going to going to like the exact same things. Um and I don't think it's like uh I wouldn't call it a a democracy in the sense that it's like okay, there's this sound, let's vote on it or anything. I think there's like a discussion on it or like, um, like, yeah, so a back and forth um, on things and then kind of comes to consensus on on what we like and, mm -hmm. and ultimately end up with a, with a mix that we're all happy with. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's it, very collaborative. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's collaborative, not democratic. 
but close to Demo- <laughs> close to Democrat, like as close to as we can. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people like, yeah, people bring in different things. So it's like collaborative, but then like people have their specialties, like Dan's like really good at mixing. So it's like his take on things, which is awesome, you know? And then, so, yeah. I think the cla- the collaboration also helps. Um, this is like in the like sort of being in a band and running a band that you're trying to, to like make work. It helps that everyone feels like it's a collaborative project and that everyone has sort of equal input on things because that also helps. There's a lot of like administrative work and things. And when it feels like a collaboration, I don't want to say collective or like, but that everyone is equal in the band. Everyone's also then like, oh, I'm willing to put in the hours to write a grant or like book a tour or like, and so that helps, I think a lot rather than like, like it's a songwriter that, you just show up and you're playing pre-written parts or 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 whatever for, and then it's kind of like, well, I'm just supporting you. Maybe I'm not gonna put, <laughs> like come home from work and and do more work. Yeah, um, sorry, Van Morrison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I heard he's a real dick. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? The uh, producer from Astral Week said that he wouldn't work with Van Morrison again if even if they offered him a million dollars because it was just like so bad. So shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is too bad because it was an amazing record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that you guys brought up and I kind of, uh, I find kind of interesting because I think it really uh, does sort of talk about your specific sound. As you said, you know, we're always trying to experiment. But then you pull it back for sort of a more pop setting. I think that really sort of manifests itself in just the rhythms that you guys go for, the way that you pull things in or put the, pull things out or put things in. Um, and is that, I can't imagine, was that something that you guys learned from jamming together? Or was that something where it's it's more edited together afterwards? Like it's it's got to be. I just don't see that occurring naturally in nature, which is why I'm against gay marriage and I'm against this album. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, first of all, that needed to be said. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, yeah, I think that comes from, like, yeah, just collaborating, like, writing as a group in practice and stuff like that. Like, uh, something like happy accidents, you know? Like, someone does something weird and it's like, oh, I really liked how we were, like, hitting this together, you know? So it's like you write a part based on that. Um, which is really cool. I think too, like, like to be experimental, you kind of, you're like, you have this, you have this style, like we're like a pop or rock band or whatever, but like you experiment outside of that. And so you bring in different elements, but like, if we were a free jazz band, like we wouldn't be experimental at all, you know, like we're not doing anything like you wouldn't like, you're not like extending beyond that at all, you know, but if we bring in elements from different music or different influences, like that's experimenting within like your vocabulary or like within pop music or something or indie rock. I think that that like also comes from, we do do a lot of just free jamming or like improvising, just like even in the recording process, it was like, you know, we'd work on a song, then we'd eat dinner and then someone would pick up an instrument. This is the Cassiopeia recording. Um, Someone pick up an instrument and start, you know, fooling around and then someone would join them. And then everyone would join and we'd free jam for an hour and it was like refreshing it. But sometimes out of those jams, we mostly record a lot of what, of our jams too on um, a Zoom recorder. And so kind of file share those and sort through maybe ideas we want to revisit and then jam those out again and flesh them out. Mm-hmm. So I think we're doing a little like more and more of that, um, even like building bases of songs mm-hmm. um, like so the opposite way, like we're not doing a ton of it, but like less bring in a song, more build a song and then have melody come over top of it or like arrange it the other way. I mean, we're not doing a ton of that yet, but yeah. it's getting more and more of that. Mm-hmm. And more and more on this new album, there's a couple songs that the bass were brought in by by other people um, as well. Yeah. So I think it's like, um, that's been interesting and fun (laughs) yeah like personally i really like coming in with a or like having at the heart just like a very simple song that could be arranged in any way really like just like an idea or like kind of like um like to go back to elliot smith or like just like a very simple song 
that or like magnetic fields like their ideas are very nice and very like but what they say is very honest and then they bring in this like kind of unexpectedly uh very technical or very experimental thing to it that you weren't yeah you weren't expecting and and i think that's like well like personally what i like about this project or like what we're trying to do so i think rhythmically too there there's a there's like a a focus on a lot of syncopation uh, especially yeah. like dave is re- like on bass he brings a, l- a lot of syncopation to the bass parts that like add to that sort of rhythmic play between the the drum parts and the bass um that are are really um interesting and then i think it feels like a lot of nick and i looking at each other and kind of coming up with interesting other yeah. melodies that like there's a lot of interplay between the, the sort of leadish guitar and the keys um, mm-hmm. that feels like me working with Nick, Nick on things sometimes, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that it is, uh, and I think is one of the things that like, if you guys are working in sort of the indie rock or the, the pop spectrum, um, one of the things that almost immediately will get glued into place for any other track will be sort of, we got the drums, we got the bass and it's always sort of, very generic four on the floor, very generic, uh, just sort of like hitting the root notes. And you guys don't do that at all. And is is that was that always part of the sound? Was that something that was tough to adjust to, like having a jazz drummer and then like a bassist who can play with a jazz drummer? Like, is that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, yeah, like <laughs> the demos that I write do start off exactly how you describe, like four on the floor, yeah. <laughs> like pretty generic bass. And then like that's how I would write a very like straight kind of song you know but then we bring it into this five piece that are like just bringing in ideas from like different different influences so i think it just gets like kind of uh distorted and like in a nice way like it's uh yeah it's it's nice though i mean i think it it works well and like it it kind of prevents you from being too not accessible but too uh like simple in a way like to uh like you don't have to think about it that much or something well it can be a fun challenge too like yeah. assembling the puzzle pieces a little bit especially once once you start throwing in rhythms that aren't um like straight four on the floor or whatever making sure transitions um and like sort of um energy or feel between transitions work well yeah and then being able to play them live are is like an interesting, fun sort of yeah. puzzle challenge. I remember like, uh, last show, our last Ottawa show, it was uh, live on Elgin. Okay. And like Dan, uh, rec- like, was, uh, like just recently, wasn't it? Like, yeah, um, three, three four Patrick's weeks ago? St. Patrick's yeah, Day. Yeah, it was exactly. on St. Patrick's Day. How but, far to Mexico? Yeah, Mexico? yeah, and they're a great band. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Dan was saying, like, it might have been before the, the show or after the show, but he was listening to, I think, uh, this East Coast, East Coast band called Moon that uh he saw and just really really liked and like the drummer's style uh i think it was moon sorry if i'm messing They're this like up dan a crow rock band yeah but the drummer just like held this really simple beat over the whole song and like like it's kind of clashed at first but then like you kind of just got absorbed into it and then so at that show we were playing i think it was violencia no it must it must have been some other song but like he just like held that down Fuck, it might have been pseudo Sue. Anyways, he was just holding that down. And then like only after the show did I realize like that's like that's what he was channeling, you know, like that style. So like, yeah, I wish I could have like just been watching it as opposed to being yeah. in the band, you know, like <laughs> it's just like at first you're thrown off. You're like, wait, this isn't the drum beat. And then you're like, oh, OK, now I know <laughs> I like, what he's he going doing. with this. So it's like, yeah, it's uh, it's cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of fun ad- <laughs> adapting on the fly to sometimes sure. with us. We put like we li- we like to to change things up and mm-hmm. it keeps it fresh. Yeah. That we sounds like had to do that last night as well, right? To show what Black Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Though, oddly, like, that was kind of more... The only played like, this two-piece band this yeah, time. That was more reflective of, like, how the demos early, like, at their earliest forms sounded. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, very stripped down. And very, it was an interesting show. Yeah. I, I played bass, which I don't play. Yeah. I played, uh, right? and, like, took Dave's bass lines and hybrided them with my guitar parts a little bit. <laughs> um, it, was fun. it was fun. We played a, a cover of a Tears for Fears song. Oh, which one? Um, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Oh, yeah, of course. Fun. And uh, like maybe it's just the that crowd 
but it was a very like that was our best song according to the crowd which is it's not a bummer but it's yeah. a, like yeah i think it's that saturday night like yeah. people out in wakefield crowd maybe yeah it's like we know that song but it was good it was a it was a fun set yeah it's packed everyone was there to see claude claude oh, yeah. munson um claude munson his, he's good his, i have his first good. album like he gave it to me it's in my car like i couldn't tell you what it's called the so strong outside i think yes yeah. one thing i did want to talk about uh on this album is there is um there are synth lines that come in and out and they're not super prevalent but each time they have a very unique sort of sound to them and i wonder what is it like trying to do something that is so sort of steeped in band uh like sort of it's it, it you guys are a indie band like it's it's a lot of it's very guitar heavy uh how do you choose sounds that are going to organically fit in to that sort of sound yeah i think it's a lot of experimenting like a lot of especially when recording the album like well this one was at the church but i was thinking or sorry this one was at uh dave's cottage but thinking about the church like um just messing with the organ that was there and stuff and like just trying to get different sounds but like uh nick's a very uh good pianist <laughs> like a very trained pianist um so yeah just like and just like his synth lines are yeah i don't know i guess like yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is um yeah when he we just like experiment and like try to pick uh yeah like choose from like what would fit kind of thing but like taking time with that kind of thing i think more and more every album we're moving we're amassing more gear so uh more potential possibilities like i think on the first album there's a lot of Rhodes piano because what we were playing with was just mostly a Nord uh, Electro, which is like really well sampled um, Rhodes and Whirly and things like that. So there's a lot of that and still even a lot of it on Cassiopeia. And then lately we've been collecting more and more synthesizer sort of things. Mm -hmm. Like um, Nick just got a Juno. Yeah. And I got one of those Juno modules that Roland makes. Oh, yeah. Cool cool things. Um, I think we're moving away to, in a a sense, away from like a guitar sound, you know? Like I think it's going to become more. Are you kicking me out right now? Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. This had to come up now. (laughs) Sorry, fans. But uh, yeah, just like uh, changing the instrumentation a lot. Like I'll like I'll play less guitar, <laughs> kicking myself <laughs> up. In this other project, I'm starting. No, I like yeah. So I think we're changing our sound a bit in that respect, and so it like opens it up to more more synths and more. Uh, I think because also some of our a lot of our arrangement comes with just like live playing the song and rearranging it in a live setting. So the, the more and more gear we're amassing, so setting up to just practice and flush out these things is taking more and more time, which is <laughs> hilarious. Mm-hmm. And now it's also that sort of thing. You have different sounds coming from different pieces of gear, and then you're like, well, we got to go play a live show now. <laughs> so what are we going to bring to not, you know, ask a sound guy to have seven DIs? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, we're going to need seven DIs for six cents. Do you have a bunch of power bars too? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think it's interesting because we're getting all, all this gear and kind of learning it. I was talking with um, Nick, hopefully, yeah, Nick about this um, in the sense that it's, it's kind of not terrifying or anxiety inducing, but sort of um, it's like a challenge, but there's a little bit of anxiety associated with it in that, you know, we worked like Nick's a pianist, like a classically trained pianist, so playing like very beautiful piano lines. I, you know, learned guitar, but we're in many ways moving away from like less guitar in our our music and like, you know, less super complicated, like super complicated melodic piano lines. And so it's like we worked really hard for many years, like learning this one thing really well. And now it's like, we're not doing that anymore. We got to learn how to use samplers really well. <laughs> and like, or like learn how to like play with the sequencers on these synths and like MIDI clock everything together well. And like, 
an on the fly when we're fleshing out songs. It's like, we want to make these interesting sounds. So let's learn all these things um, and learn how to use them well. And in many, many ways, that's like, there's a little bit of anxiety to it because it's like, whoa, I worked really hard learning this instrument and now we're it's kind of obsolete that skill. <laughs> like we still use it, um, use those things and bring those. And like, obviously we bring a lot from that training, like musically listening and, and things like that. Um, but it's also very exciting because sometimes you can get sounds by not knowing an instrument really well. And just like with synthesizers, it's like it's a bunch of buttons here. We've yeah. been favoring a lot mm, of, um, <laughs> especially with the synthesizer, we've been favoring sort of, I want to say analog things or things that are not menu based. Because uh, I think all of us like just seeing things visually and being able to like twist a bunch of knobs and see what happens. Um, getting away from presets yeah. yeah and Nick's been playing with a friend who builds modular synths and thing, things like that um, so it's like learning on the fly has getting back to that question about how our how sounds are coming out it's like learning on the fly tweaking things like if there's ever a question of like a, like a sine wave or a modulated <laughs> wave yeah. the answer is always something modulated <laughs> mostly yeah. like something weird I think like cha like challenging yourself like especially with uh, like Nick, Dave, Dan like uh, like just like because they're so trained that they want to like kind of experiment in that in those realms of like classical training so they're like always constantly trying to like push the boundaries of like what they're actually doing whereas we're probably like Brody and I are probably like the least classically trained where we just like like bring in like very straight pop songs and they're like kind of pushing us away from that which is nice like it's yeah, and it's one of the nice things <clears throat> I find sort of my most creative times with any piece of gear is within the first two weeks where I have no idea how to use it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just always like, uh, obviously, I'm not doing this because I don't play guitar, but I'm doing this or I'm doing this because I play flute and uh, I'm doing that. Uh, but that's just on the side. And um, but it's just, yeah. <laughs> most creative tin whistle in the first week. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a tin whistle modulator would be great for anybody out there. Um, uh, but just uh, it—it's it, got to be—it's got to be fun at the same time as being nervous about being mm -hmm. outsourced to someone else who just knows better modular sense than you do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. well, it's not—it's not not fun. <laughs> like, it, it's supremely—it's supremely fun. Uh, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's like, oh, we have band practice today. I am very like, like if you don't do well in this interview, are you going to be cut from the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like. Uh, it's fun. And I think it leads to good, like interesting results. Um, and the, the more we do it. And it's also like, you get a new piece of gear. You're right. The two week thing, you're like, you get a new piece of gear. You're really psyched on it. Um, and you're like, how can I use this? Cause I want to play it. Cause it's new and fun yeah. in uh like in pseudo C, which is one of our newer songs. It was like, how can we, we're still fleshing it out. And then I got this Juno, um, module thing but they built uh the originals don't have it but it's uh like a 16 step sequencer oh, yeah. into it and i was like oh how could i like just make an arpeggiated sequencer line in it and then we've been playing it um with it mm -hmm. and it's just trying new gear or nick just got his juno and we just played our first set with him using that as his primary instrument rather than the nord it sounded great. It sounded it sounded amazing, um, and was was really fun and like very fresh because like obviously the Juno sounds are different than you know a Rhodes piano and they they sit in the mix differently. So when we went to practice for it, it's sort of like rearranging all the songs again, which made them all fresh and and, and fun. So yeah, sometimes it's gear driven innovation, not in the sense of like gear for gear's sake, but you know you buy something, it's fun. I think live we're pretty much like still like the experimentation happens in the rehearsal arranging writing setting and then most of our synths do have the ability to save presets um so mm -hmm. we're i thought you guys were real musicians <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. well i mean Sorry. there's still a, like there's still like uh like in like i don't want to speak for nick here but in the performance uh like with his his juno there's still like He's still like playing the faders, not the faders, but like the L the LFO yeah. and like modulating things in different ways live during the set or like, you know, changes the frequency or resonance or, mm -hmm. or all the those sorts of things. The general sound are like 
relatively preset though. Yeah. Yeah. We only actually played one show so far with the Juno, like this new synth. But uh, yeah, I think like our sound lends itself more to like a Nordy kind of like, like we can easily slip into that like kind of folkier style. But so it's it's nice to bring in like more of a like harsher sounding synth or like something that's more experimental or like you can kind of like really mess with the sound. Like even when Nick was playing the Nord, he was really messing with the sound. Like trying to like he was like trying to make it not sound like a Nord. Like what the Nord's really good at is like you know like those like piano sounds and like road sounds. So a lot of ring mod. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, which is like the one coolest effect on <laughs> yeah. that's built into a nord <laughs> yeah so i think with this like kind of acquiring all this new gear it's like more of a yeah trying to get the sounds we want to get and like experimenting with that well that was even the same i listened to your guys episode with uh merganzer where she was talking about like building her samples and was like i sampled it and then it kind of didn't sound that cool yeah <laughs> and then i like modulated it with uh like an octave pedal i guess or yeah, whatever. Sure, putting in different yeah. different octave octaves in and then also putting it through like uh i think she was talking about those fairfield pedals and like ring mods and stuff and just making it so it's like i think it's uh one thing we like to do is get interesting sounds it's not just straight um like a normal sound you're used to hearing in pop music i guess yeah Cool. Any more questions, Adam? Uh, no, I know you're dying to ask. <laughs> uh, so the first thing, uh, this is going to be going up, I guess, not next week, but the week after. Uh, things that you guys need to plug. Let's let's hear them now. Oh, yeah, tour. Well, tour. no, it's going up the week after. We'll oh, be yeah, back sorry. for tour. <laughs> um, we're playing, well, some of us are going to Gimli, Manitoba. Oh yeah, um, for a festival in July. The festival is the weekend of June twenty fifth. I don't know. I don't think they have the full schedule up of what day. So anyone in Gimli, it's like north of Winnipeg. Um, uh, I think that'll be a three piece. Maybe it's called the Real Love Fest. Real love. Yeah. yeah, I think it's their third year doing it or yeah. second year. The headliners are like Besnard Lakes and Tops. Yeah, a lot of, Mon- a lot of Montreal um, bands, and then. I don't know if we have much else booked after that. Um, like, yeah, like tentative tours, but we can't really plug those. We uh, will be releasing this album sometime. It's We're going during this next tour where, or like when this is released, it'll be in the past. We'll have gone and got it mastered in um, London, I think, at House of Miracles. Um, so it'll be ready, and I think we were planning to release it in, in the summer sometime. Um, we hope to maybe get into another festival or two. But those are always a bit of a, a crap. And shoot. the album name was called "Thank You Riley" again. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Riley. Cool. Um, <laughs> that's on the record. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, coming out in the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No release dates set yet, but yeah, around that time. I we uh, we had planned to release it, and then we were gonna do a a tour. We we're gonna apply for visas to the the United States, um, and try and do that. Um, but we just saw. The, I guess this is a. PSA, musician PSA. Um, <laughs> the U.S. is passing. Right now, you have to apply like 90 days in advance and you have to have all your tour dates booked and it's a real like pain process, which is weird because the other way, bands can just like come and play. <laughs> they show up at the border um, and don't pay much or, or anything. But the U.S. is going to pass or they're trying to pass new legislation to change that. Um, for the better? Or the Yeah, for, for the, the better. Oh, okay, so okay. you could just, uh, <laughs> it's not quite like just show up and, and don't have any, booked or anything but it's like you could show up on the day of instead of applying 90 days in advance oh, and you don't you can add dates because it's a big like it's hard you apply for a year visa right now and sorry this, this is really inside baseball oh, yeah. um <laughs> and so you have to have all your dates for the year booked before you apply which is like um, and it's 90 days before so imagine booking dates a year and a half out yeah. in the u.s like trying to enter a market on, like, that you don't like that. you've never been to um, so we might not go to the States. We might go to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, we can't promo that. We don't have any dates booked. <laughs> Stay tuned, East Coast. But hopefully, like, so, to- hopefully some summer dates. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess like you can find us on Google <laughs> or our Facebook or yeah, our Bandcamp or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, like the page and 
we post shows as they come up. Oh yeah, I'm sure things will happen around town or around Montreal. Like, yeah, I think we know. we want to keep busy um, <clears throat> yeah. and and want to just be writing and recording new stuff all the time. So, yeah, cool. And now uh, the one question that you guys must have expected if you've listened to any of the podcasts yeah. um, <laughs> is at the end of each podcast, we sort of we sort of like to get into the into the real creative space. We, re- we really like to get in the head of uh, these people and try and figure out, are they really creative human beings or are they just like passing off as creatives? <laughs> Genesis. Uh, I choose Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> And so, yeah, you guys probably know what's coming. Um, Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Uh, I feel like y- I know your guys' like correct answer is Peter Gabriel, <laughs> but I totally, my mom listened to to No Jacket Required a lot. Um, so I like Phil. Yeah. I kind of look like Phil in a weird way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough. Yeah. There was a picture that Chuck... I don't know why I ended oh, up. Yeah, seeing it was like it, a close up of like <laughs> it was it kind like of like every dark. Phil Collins album. It looked like the like the classic Phil Collins yeah. like dark around yeah. just his face. Yeah. And I was like Chuck Phil Collins. Yeah. So <laughs> we might have to go with Phil. I don't if know, Phil oh, Collins wrote Salisbury Hill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know like the Genesis output enough. Like uh, I know I like the song "That's All," which I think is a a Phil song. This interview the, is like, over. Doo, 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 doo. Um, and I like No Jacket Required. Yeah. And there's a good This American Life episode. Um, talk about rolling back to NPR, which we talked about. Um, where we don't st- recognize radio on this podcast. <laughs> um, where he helps Starly Kine write a, uh, like a, a song to get over her breakup. Whoa. Phil's a nice guy. So sorry to disappoint you on that one.
treat yourself to someone new Dance like a guy It all Uh-oh Figured out <laughs> You might have cranked that knob a little Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so sensitive um, I would be fine with that though like, I'd be fine with that too Yeah you guys have most definitely done the most ambitious song. <laughs> can uh, can you record a disclaimer that <laughs> the midsection? Tell your audience that the midsection is very fast. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's time, I'd do another one. But I would, I would also be fine. No, let's go with that. Let's just move on. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. I mean, nothing's gonna be perfect. Yeah, it's an album uh, that is very. <laughs> Yeah, the difference between like 200 beats per minute and like 100 beats per minute is like honestly like it's like like so stupid.